Here we go. It's time for a Simmer and Forsland podcast. I believe it's the fourth time we've been together in Hockey Joy Joy. I'm at the Hockey Cabin, Rob Simpson. You see the anchor back there, John? Pretty impressive. Too. Nice touch, Simmer. You, you have a knack for oh. uh, dictating. You really do. Yeah, the hidden talent that you shouldn't share with anyone. Yeah. <laughs> Interior decorating. Yeah. Uh, we are talking about the crack and we're talking about the National Hockey League at SeattleHockeyInsider.com. You can catch us on uh, on YouTube at Simmerpuck. You can catch us uh, on the old Spotify and the Apple and the Amazon, all those things. Um, by the way, you're hit them with your uh, you're at John Forsland is your Twitter X, right? Okay. That's correct. And I'm at Simmerpuck. Let's jump right into this. Um, okay. First of all, let's pick our number 21. We're picking 21 oh. this week. Okay. Uh, before we start getting really concerned about the local hockey team. Okay. Um, who's your 21 this week? A little history. My 21, my 21 is Ron Francis. Okay. Very do you good. know do you know why? Early number. It was his first number with the Hurricanes. Nice. When they signed him as a free agent, he played the whole first season as 21. Gary Roberts was number 10. Okay. And so then they had to give him 10. And he's known as number 10, obviously, and it's retired. Yeah. Yep. But he wore four as a rookie with the Whalers. Then he went to 10 with the Whalers. Then he went to nine when he was first traded to Pittsburgh. Then 10 with Pittsburgh. 21 with Carolina for one season. I believe he wore number 21 when he scored... Uh, Dominic, no, it wouldn't have been. He was 10 then when he scored in the Stanley Cup final in 2002. So he was already 10. But it was 21 the first year. All the right. first year. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. All right. Blast from the past. My number 21 is Pete Stemkowski. Oh, that's a great one. Yeah. That said, uh, Stemmer's great. He's a great guy. Uh, played with the Leafs, won a cup controversy. Jimmy Pappen. I remember introducing Jimmy Pappen about this goal. They those two went back and forth about it. It, it went off the defenseman's foot. It went off Stemmer's foot. It was actually Pappen's goal. Stemmer got credit for it. Then he goes to Detroit. I think he was 19 for a while, but in New York with the Rangers, he was 21. And he then was. a very entertaining broadcaster with the Sharks for a while. Right? Great, great, and a great guy. Like yeah. just all hockey all the time. And he scored a huge, what, uh, triple overtime goal for the Rangers or double overtime. It's a legendary, yeah. legendary goal in the Stanley Cup playoffs. So, yeah, yeah. That, was, that wouldn't have been 79, would it? No, no, it was the early 70s, early 70s. Yeah, before yeah. Stemmer. I haven't seen him in a while. So hopefully he's hanging in there. So it's okay. Yeah. Very funny um, guy. Very funny. Very entertaining man. Um, let's get into this. What the hell was that Saturday night? The 6-3 Calgary Flames victory over the uh, Seattle Kraken. It's unfortunate, isn't it? Because the trick for this team, and I said it you know, before the two-game homestand and, and during the homestand when asked about it, is that at some point this team has to figure out traction at home. And at some point, if they don't, it's going to be a problem. They managed to get through it last year, not being great at home, being just okay at home and being outstanding on the road. You can't roll those uh, numbers out all the time. You know, the law of averages with your road record will catch up with you. You have to be better at home. 
You have to be better when you get teams, depending on the circumstances. You look at the advantage you have by being in Seattle. You're getting teams from the east that are starting trips. You can jump those teams. You're getting teams from the east that are at the end of trips that are looking at the runway and they want to get out of town. You got to take advantage of that. In the case last night, it's a division rival and you have an opportunity to take their will away. And they never did in that game. They never did. They let Calgary hang around, even though they had a the Kraken had a pretty good first period. You know, there's three things in hockey, Simmer, that when we dissect games and you look at all the ways that we look at it now with all these fancy numbers and slot chances and zone entries and all these different things, which help us break down games. But over time, I, I look at three things that are always in play. Goaltending. Right. Goaltending has never changed regardless of errors. Right. You look at one specific game, who wins the, the battle of the goalies. Right. And Grubauer was good last night, but Vladar was better. Vladar made bigger saves and bigger moments. And that was a difference in that game. The second thing I look at always is um, controlling the middle of the ice. If you control the neutral zone offensively and defensively, usually win the hockey game. And, and Calgary, as the game went along, was better at that. And then there's the second period. The second period changes the emotional flow of the game. So the Kraken flattened out in that second period for whatever reason. Couldn't make a pass, couldn't get the puck up the ice. And at the end of the period, when you play habitually that poorly, that long, what ends up happening is you take a bad penalty at some point. Tolvanen did, right? And then it turns into a double minor, and they almost survive it. But almost is the operative word. It wasn't enough. So when they go to the room, and only the players, would, maybe they wouldn't even know this, but psychologically, one team feels we've lost six in a row, we can win. The other team's like, we may lose this game. And that's the way the third period started, with Calgary coming out of the chute and the Kraken on their heels. And I thought Dave Haxtell, I, I was I was happy to hear his comments after the game where he kind of just said we got out-hustled. He didn't really say out-worked. He said out-hustled. That's the, the, the wording that he used. Well, that's what happened. And, um, you know, that's a regrettable game. For me, that's the first one. You know, they've lost games, obviously, but they've been in those games and there's reasons and bounces for losses. But they have themselves uh, to blame for the loss last night, which is really too bad because it was a winnable game and they could have put Calgary away. And you go on the road with a three game winning streak and trying to dig yourself out. And we're starting to get now into November and uh, it's early in the season. But then again, you get to the end of November and you ask yourself, is it early? We'll find out. Yeah. So instead of at 500, they're two below 500, which right. is tough. And by the way, Igor uh, Sharon Govich had the tip, a beautiful deflection to put him up 3-2 early in the third period. And then they went up 4-2 at the four-minute mark. So it didn't take long for him to take advantage of Calgary, that is, early in that third period. But Sharon Govich, they have a lot of guys that have been just dragging ass early in the season, including right. Nassim Kadri. Kadri right. had a little spark last night. So, yeah. you know, you hate to see them turn the corner, you know, at Seattle. Uh, and you, you talked a lot about psychology there. I'm a big chemistry character commitment coaching guy on top of the goaltending. And uh, I think it was uh, Pierre Edward Bar Belmar and the coach who said, yeah, we didn't take them lightly. We didn't look at it as a trap just because of their record. I mean, why would you in the first place? No such thing really in the league, except yeah. maybe with San Jose right now. That's right about now. it. But yeah. subconsciously, I think in the in the second period, it just seemed to me they came out as if, well, we got this two one lead. You know, this is we can this we'll take care of this. We'll just keep rolling along here. And they were they were awful. They were awful. Yeah, 
And, and whether it's that or whether it's fatigue or whatever it is, no one's ever going to get the answer to that. Even if you were dressed and in the lineup, I don't think you would have the answer. It's just one of those things that confounds you about the sport. It's funny in hockey, as you know, from uh, watching it, covering it for as long as you have uh, and enjoying the game. You know, you can't explain long stretches of good play or bad play. You really can't. You would think that wake up. You know, get get out of it. What's wrong? You can't make a pass. Make a pass. Make a play. But it's not that easy. You know, the players right, and it just gets it just gets there. And they were totally flat. And I, the other thing I talked about on local radio in Seattle the other day is uh, is you know when you don't have success in this barn, you flatten out the crowd, yeah. and you don't really give yourself a chance. And every crowd will flatten out, but unfortunately. The Seattle fans, aside from the playoffs, have not seen the Kraken at their best in the two seasons. The home record just isn't good enough, you know, and I don't know what why that is. But to their credit, they're on their feet and they're giving them a push after Schwartz scored and they're hoping there's 91 seconds on the clock and they're hoping that you can get the equalizer. And it wasn't meant to be the building empties out and there's another lost home, home date, which is which is unfortunate. Yeah. Uh, confidence is everything and all momentum is is collective confidence that's what that is yeah. it's when a team's feeling confident as a unit and the yeah. personic personification the embodiment of it right now the opposite of it is maddie veneers yeah uh, he's got the sophomore slump going he's 12 games deep he hasn't had a goal he's got three maybe he had yeah. this last night so yeah. three four assists and you can see it and it's mm -hmm. it's that it's this accepting mm -hmm. itself in his hands and his feet and everything else. And, you know, we often say in hockey, you know, you just have to, it, and even Haxtell said it yesterday morning, needs one to go in off his butt, something like that. Anything to shake it, but it's it's hard to watch. It is. So now what? So now what you have to do is, uh, in my opinion, is they're going to have to help him get through this somehow. So how do you do that? Well, one thing you can do is, and unfortunately, the way they're built, it's 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 tough because Alex Wenberg really isn't putting points on the board, right? So when you when you look down the middle, um, the Gord line right now has a lot of a lot of pizzazz to it. A beautiful scoring play last night, and Yanni brings the same value every game. Um, Alex Wenberg is a smart player. Alex Wenberg is a, a, a key player because he's a he's a veteran guy in this team and and, and, a, and a top nine center. But statistically, he's not bringing an awful lot. And because of that, my point here is, you, I think the coaches have two choices with Beniers. What happens when a young player struggles? You need to back off responsibility. I think if you give them more and more responsibilities, like prime defensive matchups, you know, strength on strength every night, it's counterproductive. Maybe that's part of what's going on. But if you leave Beniers where he's at, you know, in a, in a first or second line position, then I think what they have to do is kick Cartier off the line and put Schwartz there. Schwartz, Beniers, Bjorkstrand, give him another veteran, you know, insulate him even more. Cartier's done well. I'm just not sure that's the fit right now. You know, I think Cartier can go to where maybe where Schwartz is and help Wenberg. Maybe Wenberg would be better with an edgier guy next to him, a guy that can open up space. Maybe that works. Uh, the fourth line I would touch the third line if that if if you want to number lines, which is ridiculous with this team. I don't think you should number lines with this team. But the Gord McCann Tolvin in line, leave it, you know. But right, the little tweak with Everly and and Everly's very quiet too. 
statistically. You know, this is a, and you would hope he's got enough veteran uh, experience. He's going to break out. But the tweak moving Eberle and Bjorkstrand around worked. But now what do you need to do on the, on the, on the other side? Maybe you got to complete the line. And Schwartz has been their most consistent offensive player. He has the experience. He's a pro's pro. You've got a second-year guy, rookie of the year, and a big struggle. Give him two veteran guys as bookends and see what happens. Other than that, you're just going to – it's it's insanity because the same thing happens over and over again. Um, and 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 I thought Hackstall's comments yesterday morning, he he liked the Nashville game for Matty. He thought that was one of his better games of the season. Um, but that's what they're doing now. They're kind of attaching better games of the season on intangible games, not production. Yeah, the Kraken don't have success in the second year simmer without Beneers being that productive because yeah. that's how they were built. He had to be in the conversation for, and then he wins rookie of the year, but it had to happen that way. Same thing now, you know, if, if you want a number it, he's their number one center. Yeah. So, you know, what are you, what are you going to do here? Yeah. You know, you, yeah. you stay with them. You don't, you don't fold the tent because this is a tough thing. This is not easy for a young player to follow up that kind of year. It's happened before. You mentioned sophomore slump. That's why we have that that phrase, right? It's it's real in every sport. So they have to they have to help him now. And I don't think diminishing his role or you know throwing him down. I think Nashville moved that young Parson around their lineup, and they had him on the fourth line when they came through town last week. That's not going to work because really, you know, I don't think you can elevate Belmar at the stage of his career into that kind of role. So they're kind of slotted where they need to be. They have to figure out a way to help number 10. Yeah. They they, they don't have the depth up the middle and and no. it's not time it's not really make a move season. I brought it up the other day in an article projecting forward towards the uh the trade deadline, but of course you want to be in the playoff hunt if you're going to be kind of looking at something at the trade deadline. And right now there's a long time between now and then and a lot of work to do. Uh, but at some point, there's going to have to be an upgrade. There's just simply going to have to be an upgrade. And then, you know, we down we can have this conversation down the road. Are you just going to keep stocking up through the draft and hope that, that develops eventually? Or are you going to pull the trigger and bring in something that's going right. to boost, boost the middle? Right. Middle of the ice. Right. And, that's, and that will be interesting to dive into as we go along here. Hopefully this this turns and, and Beneers finds it. Um, I'm not going to get into the off ice stuff. I'm not going to get into contracts and, and what's yeah. going on there because we don't know. And it really doesn't matter, right? All we can talk about is what has happened and what's going to happen and what we see. Um, yeah. The rest of it is, is is head games for other people to worry about. Yeah. Well, one guy that is in a contract year and he's out of his mind in a good way is Elias Pettersson in, in uh, Vancouver. How about that? <laughs> How about yeah. the second place Vancouver Canucks, second best record in the Western Conference? Dynamite. Well, they, you know what? They they have game breakers throughout the lineup. Yeah. They have high end talent. Yeah. They, they need to be channeled in the right direction. Like goalie, goalie's back. Goalie's Oof. back in a big way. Yep. Right. And then the talk effect. And Rick Tockett is a good coach. Very yeah. good coach. Uh, the one last note on the Kraken, which is a little unfortunate. You mentioned goaltending, it's been pretty good. Like it's not exactly yeah. it's not exactly like either guy has cost no. them hockey games. In fact, they've kept no. in hockey games, and the special yeah. teams has actually been the power play has been twenty five percent. Yeah, no, it it really hasn't been. It's consistency. It's yeah. consistency with their execution, and and an effort based uh, um, play has been there for the most part. It flattened out last night in the second period. Grubauer's game was good enough to win. Mm-hmm. It's just at certain times in that specific game, 
Ladar, who always plays well here, preseason or regular season, uh, was able to be part of that emotional rescue for the uh, for for uh, Calgary. But the goaltending's been great for the Kraken. You know that's 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 been a, that's been a good thing. And when you say that, you know that always seemed to be the narrative. Well, if they just get goaltending, they're going to be okay. Yeah. It's not that simple, is it? Yeah. Not that simple. Um, little uh, diversion here into the broadcast world and terminology just for fun. So one of the ones that always makes me laugh over the years, and I intentionally never use it when I'm doing play-by-play, -play, and that is pushing and shoving. John, pushing and shoving. What is never, the difference between a push and a shove? There is no difference. I, I <laughs> hope I, ne I never say that. I never I say it. I don't either. People get a kick out of me when I say there's a disturbance. That's how I refer to the scrums. I said there's a disturbance on the ice because it is disturbing. It's yeah. upsetting the, the flow of the game. So I've never said pushing and shoving. That's a redundancy, right? Yeah. But you tell me if you give me a push and you give me a shove, I think it feels the same way. <laughs> That's what cracks me up because most that was a shove, Simmer. It's a fallback, and everybody says it. If you watch 80% of the guys in the league, it's pushing yeah. and shoving. I don't yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. I'm with you on that. Yeah. yeah. And I, I have other words besides disturbance that I use sometimes. I'm not going to get into that. So that transition into my new one, and this was brought up by a former NHL executive, mentioned it to me, and it got me thinking, and that is the term unanswered goals. Okay. <laughs> so here's an example, and I don't know if this happened, if it was said. I wasn't watching any of the broadcasts. I didn't check it out at all, but I can imagine it would have happened. So the other night, Vancouver scores 10 goals in a row against the San Jose Sharks. And then San Jose scores the last goal of the hockey game. I guarantee you somewhere someone said that the Canucks scored 10 unanswered goals. However, and this is the point of the executive, the goal was answered. Yes. If they score unanswered goals, it means the other team does not score. Does not sub score. Subsequently. So That's correct. Three unanswered. It's the last three goals of the game, 10, whatever it is. Right. But it's like coincidence and irony. They're often substituted wrongly for one another. Yeah. Unanswered goals, it, I would say 80% of the time is used incorrectly because the, someone scored afterwards. But the, instead of saying consecutive, right. they say unanswered. They had four unanswered goals. Well, no, they didn't because Pittsburgh scored two goals after they scored their four. It's not unanswered. Yeah. Am I right here? Is this? Was you're this you're absolutely right. You're on a roll. You're on a roll today. No, that, you're absolutely right. Absolutely right. Okay, so there it is. Unanswered goals. If you score afterwards, it's not an. Please, it's not unanswered. Yeah. Um, some tra a tragic uh event in the in the recent uh, past here. Uh, Adam Johnson over in Nottingham in the English league uh, loses his life with skate blade to the throat. Of course, we all know Clint Malarchuk. We uh, know Clint well, and he went through it uh, back in the late 80s, goaltender. Uh, but this is a whole different deal. Uh, death on the ice. And it raises a question about mandatory neck guards. It raises a question about NHLPA and the players and macho and will they do it and this, that, and the other thing. Are we going to start seeing it, John? And would you, do we see it becoming the next helmet, the next visor? I think so. I think so. I, I And I do think there's enough generational experience with the players that are in the league right now that have worn neck guards at some point yeah. 
Um, so I don't think it's as drastic as it was back in the dark ages where everybody started putting helmets on. And even when we went to visors and cages and all those types of things. So I think it's certainly the Canadian kids are used to wearing neck guards as, as um, minor hockey players, youth hockey players. Um, yeah. I, and I think companies now will try and, make them a little bit more comfortable and a little bit more safety uh, conscious. I mean, we got Kevlar socks now. Um, I, I don't understand why they can't just come up with something. I, I, I really don't see, of course, I'm not a player. So, you know, they would have to speak to it. You know, a lot of, you know, a lot of guys just feel different. They don't, they're, they're not as cool. Not, I don't mean like hip. I mean like um, sweat. Yeah. I'll be interested to see Yanni put one on last night. I'll be interested to see, you know, how he feels, feels about it. Um, um, so, uh, and, and others will too, as we move forward. And it was great. It was great to see uh, Wednesday night. You know, I did one of the two games on Turner and on the panel, Gretz, Wayne Gretzky, you know, really got on his soapbox about this and it was good. It was good. So um, yeah, it seems like a no brainer. And, and, and unfortunately, uh, uh circumstances like this uh there is no explainable reason why a young man loses his life but when these situations happen sometimes you have to look at it and say what can we learn from this tragedy yeah. what can, can we do in his honor and maybe for part of his his legacy moving forward will be that the nhl adapts a rule that this is mandatory you know and uh and, and go from there it doesn't doesn't help the matter at all obviously but it happened it happened for a reason you know it happened for a reason that the league and pro hockey can be leaders here and and look at it and and go from there but i think there's enough kids that have had experience now so it's not a not a foreign situation to many of them right you know was it richard zednick is it richard zednick Florida Panthers. Florida Panthers. I just happened yeah. to be at the press conference when he came back to the lineup, which he did yeah. very quickly. Right. right. Like he was back right. a couple of weeks. He's like, screw this. Right. 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 And so, you know, this is, uh, you know, unfortunately it's a wake up call maybe. And, and the, and the players association will go to work with Gary on this and they'll figure out uh, what the next course of action is. And usually we have seen that, um, these these measures take time, but maybe there isn't there isn't enough time, you know, and maybe there needs to be distinct leadership on this and uh, and, and get after it here. But you're seeing more and more players go to it. Um, and and um, and I think the more that happens, everybody follows suit. Yeah, it could be it could end up being one of those, you know, make sure entry level guys do it. They grandfather it in like they've done other things, you know, they they seem to grandfather and everything else. Right. If you, if you were in the league before they changed the rule, you get to keep doing whatever you want kind of thing. Right. To some degree. Um, all right. Back to happy talk here before we go. Cause we did a 21 minute uh, number 21s today, uh, which was Ron Francis and Pete Stemkowski. We're uh, getting close, if not just over that mark, but we got to talk about your bobblehead, bud. I mean, come on. That's a beautiful <laughs> The talking bobblehead, neither one of us have one on us right now, but in the uh, Simmer Sunday 9 piece, I have the video of you and JT in the press box when you open your gift box. What the hell was that box, by the way? That thing looked across the Indian Ocean. 
Oh, that it did. It came. It washed up uh, on shore. Up on the shore. sound, I believe. I don't even think it was Lake. It washed up on the sound. It had to come in on the sound, right? There's no way in the on the lake. It would be kind of no. It came in. Came somewhere. Garbage. Yeah, anyway. it, it came in from from the abyss. From the yeah. deep. Where I'm going soon. Yes. <laughs> well, anyway, nice job. Congratulations. How many did they hand, they hand out? Five thousand. How many did they hand out? Ten thousand. Ten thousand. Damn. Ten thousand, and we, and JT and I walk out uh, the same way every night, and he checked the all the uh, trash uh, trash receptacles on the way out to make sure no one had tossed them. Luckily, it was a win, right? Because you, you know fans get frustrated and take it out on the bobblehead. That would be yeah. horrible. Smashing John Forza's bobblehead and against the wall. It would hurt. It'd be it'd be like a reverse voodoo or something. It would hurt me. You know, and it wouldn't be wouldn't be good. And it has you saying both that's cracking hockey, hockey baby and hey hey what do you say correct 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 which i and you know what they did very very good job with it they they had me along the entire process with the image and everything and that's actual game a game call that's actual that's actual audio from a game um which i did not want to record it and have it on there so they they figured out a way to do that so that sounds good. natural if that good. if that can be natural it sounds natural all right, well, I got to get me one, but I'll we'll figure that out eventually here. Um, all right, speaking of natural sounds, that one means we're done. So, um, where are you going next? You're going to Arizona with the Kraken. You're going to Colorado. Arizona with the Kraken and Colorado Thursday, and then Edmonton's here on Saturday. So, no national work this week. So it's good. Okay. I got a little national work because I'm going to be in Toronto for the Hockey Hall of Fame induction, but we'll try to sneak in one of these next week anyway. Next week. Okay, good. Enjoy that. Yeah, thanks. that's a great that's a great celebration. You know that. Oh yeah, I go uh, as often as I can and have been involved with a couple of them, so we'll see what happens. Uh, Johnny Forsen, thank you very much. Let's see if we can uh, get a couple wins on the road for the crack and get back to 500. We shall see. In the meantime, happy trails. Thank you very much. Thanks, Simmer. Take care. Mm -hmm.